Jesus had 12 disciples. But in the days around the death and the resurrection, uh, there are two disciples that probably we hear most about. And they were very different and they had very different outcomes. There was Judas and there was Peter. And Judas, in some respects, was a success story. Uh, he was good with money. Uh, he was the one who kept the, the, uh, the purse for the twelve. Uh, they didn't have a checkbook or a bank account. And Jesus and the disciples were supported by some wealthy women. And of course Judas had a lot of say as to how the money was spent. And no doubt he also dipped his hand into uh, the bag at times also. And Judas was also a little bit of a, a politician. He knew that the mood of the people was turning against Jesus. And so he decided that he would seize his opportunity and he would go to the rulers and he would turn Jesus in. But Judas, for all his, his gifts and his connections, ends up tragically. Now Peter is almost the other way around. Uh, the days before the resurrection put a spotlight on Peter. They, they, Peter is, is uh, shown up in uh, all of his, his inner <coughs> character. And he comes out as something of a failure. Not something of a failure. He turns out a real failure, a disastrous failure. He fails spectacularly. And yet, he doesn't end tragically like Judas does. He finds forgiveness. He finds restoration from Jesus as a result of the resurrection. And our message this morning is that uh, all of us have failed in our lives. But because of the resurrection, that is not the end of the story. Failure is not final. And we're going to look at the, the story of uh, Peter. We're going to see Jesus' death and resurrection through Peter's eyes. We're going to track Peter's story. And we're going to think of uh, Peter's uh, <coughs> foolishness, his overconfidence, and then his fall. And then we're going to look at his restoration. How Jesus forgave and put Peter back again. Remember the, the clip that we had about the, the sports people uh, who had these spectacular fails. And what most of them had in common was that they were absolutely confident that they had, they had won the race. Remember the guy who's uh, coming up to the finishing line and uh, he's working the crowd up, wanting to get the, the applause going. And uh, all the time there's somebody creeping up behind him and he doesn't realise. And I like the, the ones as well of the, the footballers who think that uh, they've, they've missed and the goalie uh, goes ballistic and he's uh, had this amazing escape and then the ball bounces into the net. The net. And all of them are telling us, basically, pride comes before a fall. We say that, but pride comes before a fall. And that was so true of Peter. Peter was filled with a sense of pride. You know, he, he was never going to let Jesus down. You know, the, the world could come tumbling around his head, but Peter would stand firm. He was never going to let Jesus down. Well, we pick up the story the day before Jesus 
is crucified and Peter is in an upper room <coughs> and he's with the rest of the disciples and there's one of these really awkward moments. You ever have awkward moments? Yes? When you're looking around at everybody else and nobody wants to say the thing that's on everybody else's mind. And there was one of these awkward moments in the upper room and the reason it was awkward was this. That when you were into a house, it was normal for someone to wash your feet. Now that sounds an odd thing to do. Uh, if somebody comes to your door and you offer to wash their feet in Coatbridge, you'll get a funny look if you do that. Because we don't do that in Coatbridge. They don't even do it in Airdrie. But they did it in Israel. And the reason was that uh, you wore open sandals and your feet got dusty and dirty. And so... Uh, Usually, one of the servants would offer to wash your feet. They would get, fill a basin with water, get a towel, and wash your feet. I suppose it was a little bit like when you go to a, a home in Scotland on one of the two days that we have in the year when it's very hot. Uh, you might be given a glass of lemonade, a cool drink. And it's a compliment, or it's just a courtesy that people do. It's custom. Would you like a glass of lemonade from the fridge. Yes, please, that would be great. Well, in this instance, no one had had their feet washed. There was no servant. It was usually the servant that did the washing of feet. And each of the disciples was thinking to themselves, I'm not going to do the work of a servant. Somebody else can go and wash the feet of the rest. I'm not going to do this. So there was this awkward moment. And then it becomes even more awkward because Jesus washes the feet of the disciples. And he comes to Peter and Peter says, No, no, you're not going to wash my feet. Never, Lord. Because he realizes that Jesus is much greater than he is. Jesus says, Unless I wash your feet, you can have no part in me. And then this is typical Peter he always wants to go completely over the top. Well, not just my feet, but all of me, Lord. So true, Peter. He's such a larger-than-life character. Then it comes uh, to the, the supper, which was the Passover, and Jesus transforms this. He starts to talk about bread being like his body, which will be broken, and the wine uh, being like his blood, which will be shed. And Speaking about his death, he goes on to say, and you shall all desert me. You'll all run away. And then Peter, typical Peter, bold as brass, super confident. Everybody else may run away, but I will never desert you, Lord. Jesus says, I tell you, before the cock crows, You'll say three times that you never knew me. Peter doesn't get it. He's confident that he'll be the last one standing. Pride comes before a fall. Now that is true of all of us. We could, well, we could look at Peter and say, well, what a foolish man Peter was for being so, so proud. But you know, all of us at some stage think that we're going to be good enough We'll be good enough to 
please God. I'm not perfect, nobody is, but I'll be good enough for heaven. God will never turn me down. I will be able to live a life that will qualify me, will fit me for God's presence. And we're all overconfident like that. Because none of us is good enough. None of us is good enough. And certainly, Peter wasn't good enough. And when the moment came, he failed spectacularly, like that runner waving to the crowd and working up the crowd. He is beaten at the line. He falls flat on his face. And here's how it happened. Jesus went with his disciples to uh, a garden, which was possibly a place that they were accustomed to meet. It's called Gethsemane. And uh, he goes to pray. And he takes three of the disciples closest to him to accompany him. Peter, so always one of the three, Peter and James and John. And he takes them because he wants them to pray for him. Because Jesus is going to go through one of the most challenging, most difficult times in his life. He is now going to go to the cross and he has to pray to God the Father to give him strength and grace to go through with this. And so Jesus is in anguished prayer and he goes back to see if the three are praying for them. And three times Jesus goes and finds that they, including Peter, are all sleeping. They cannot even stay awake along with Jesus in his time of pressure. And then... Peter can hear approaching footsteps. And it's kind of marching footsteps. And then as they get closer, they see that there is a squadron of soldiers who have come uh, with some of the priests. And the man at the front they recognize, it's Judas. And Judas comes forward and with a horrible act of betrayal, kisses Jesus. And this was a sign So the soldiers would know which one to take. And again, Peter uh, typically uh, lashes out and he strikes the ear of the servant of the high priest. And Jesus tells him to put his sword away and heals the servant's ear. Jesus is now chained as a prisoner. The disciples scatter. Peter runs too. Uh, and follows at a distance. He's in the shadows now. He can see where they're going. They go to the high priest's house. And at the high priest's house, there is a courtyard and with an entrance to the courtyard. And Peter travels to the door to the high priest's courtyard with another man who has contacts, who knows the high priest. And Leaving Peter at the door, he goes in and speaks to those inside and gets entry permission for Peter also. And so the girl at the gate allows Peter to come in. But first of three awkward moments happens for Peter because the girl recognises Peter. You were with him, were you not, she says. And Peter says, no. I don't know what you're talking about. The girl is not convinced, but she lets 
Peter in. They have got a fire going. And Peter goes and uh, he's warming himself by the fire along with the others. Another girl recognises him. And again, uh, Peter denies it. Uh, He denies that uh, he has seen Jesus, denies that he knows Jesus. Now, Peter is getting extremely nervous. He wants to to kind of hide from from the rest of them. But uh, things get even worse. Another man this time goes to him and says, You were with him. You have an accent. His followers were from the north. They were from Galilee. And you are a Galilean by your accent. And Peter gets all flustered. And he not only denies that he knows Jesus, but he begins to curse and to swear. No, I don't know who you're talking about. And then the cockerel crows. And Jesus turns and looks at Peter. And Peter remembers what Jesus had said earlier. Before the cock crows, you will have denied me three times. And Peter's world comes crashing down. He can't even bear to remain inside any longer. He goes out of the courtyard and he breaks down. He is completely distraught. He's crying bitterly. Great heaving sobs. He has denied. He said he does not know the man he loves more than any other in the whole world. And he has denied him with curses. His world has fallen apart. Well, in one sense, the cockerel was a great preacher. The, pre- the, the cockerel got Peter's attention when all else had failed. It pointed to the fact that Peter was not the strong man who would stand when others fell away. That Peter was a sinner just like the rest and that Jesus' words had come true. And sometimes uh, we have moments like Peter when something happens in particular which reminds us that in general we are sinful people. We have not loved God as we ought to and we have broken God's commandments and we have lived as though God were not there. And Peter was found out when the cockerel crowed. In just a few hours, Jesus was going to die on the cross of Calvary. And because of his death, all of the failures of his people, like Peter, would be forgiven. And a new start would be made possible. But a new start is only possible for us if, like Peter, we realise that we have failed that we have sinned, and that we need to have forgiveness. Some of you might have heard of uh, a man called Thomas Edison. He was uh, the inventor of the light bulb, amongst other things. And uh, he had a a, a terrible uh, incident in December 1914. He lost over a million dollars worth of equipment in a factory fire. It was... Devastating for somebody who had invested so much in it. 
And the man was 67 years old at the time as well. And he said simply, there is value in disaster. All our mistakes are burned up. Now we can start anew. Now, Peter had a disaster. This was a disastrous denial. But it was going to be blessed because realizing that he was such a failure, such a sinner, was necessary before Peter would know the forgiveness that Jesus had come to bring. After his big failure, Peter went into hiding. Uh, He didn't want to even watch as Jesus died. Uh, John, his friend, was there to see Jesus hang on the cross. John was there to be a comfort and a strength to Mary, Jesus' mother. Peter had no stomach for it. With the rest, he went to uh, a house where they stayed behind closed doors. And spent the next couple of days there. And then, on Sunday morning, there's a commotion in the front room. Uh, The door has been opened to some of the women who said they were at the grave. And someone had rolled the stone away. And Jesus had risen. And had appeared to Mary Magdalene. Immediately, Peter and John run to where the grave was. And it was a kind of race. And John gets there first. Peter must have been a bit out of condition, or maybe he was an older guy. John gets there first, but when Peter arrives, characteristically, it's Peter who dashes in. Peter is always the impetuous one, always the one uh, to do things first. And Peter goes in. And sure enough, the napkin at the head has been carefully folded, and an angel tells him, that uh, he has risen. Jesus has risen. All of a sudden, the world has changed. All of a sudden, Peter begins to realise that this was prophesied in the Bible, in the Old Testament. Jesus had to die. He had to die for sin. He was the Lamb of God who would take away the sin of the world. He would do the the reality that all of the Old Testament sacrifices were just pictures of. And that he would rise again. And that because of his new life, he would have life. But sometimes it takes us a while to really understand our forgiveness. And sometimes God has to do things in our life to make us take it in that this is not too good to be true. But because it's uh, so good, it is true. This is how he showed Peter. (coughs) One time, Peter decided that he would go fishing and uh, seven of the others came along with him. And it was usual to go fishing at night. This was the, the customary time to go fishing. And they spent the whole night and they didn't get any fish. And they, they're finished uh, and they're heading back to shore in the early morning. And in the distance they see a figure silhouetted against the strengthening sun. And the figure calls out to them, Have you caught anything, friends? say, no, we haven't caught anything. <coughs> Cast the net on the right side of the boat, says the stranger. And they do. And 
As soon as they have done that, the net seethes with fish. It's an enormous catch of fish. John says, it's the Lord. And Peter, again, the impetuous one, the one of action, jumps off the side of the boat into the water and heads through the shallows of the water to Jesus. Because it's the Lord, it's the risen Lord. And Jesus has prepared breakfast. There on the side of the lake is a fire. And Jesus has already uh, prepared some fish and he asks the disciples to bring some of their catch that they might eat the catch together. It's a remarkable event. Jesus showing himself, giving proof, giving evidence that he has been raised from the dead. But then Jesus does something specially for Peter. At the beginning, it begins to unsettle Peter a little. Simon, son of John, Jesus says, Do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he says. You know that I love you. Feed my lambs. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Yes, Lord, you know I love you. Take care of my sheep. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Feed my sheep. Peter was puzzled that Jesus should ask him three times the same question. Do you love him? But... (coughs) Do you see what Jesus was doing? Why the three times? Because Peter had denied that he knew Jesus three times. And now Jesus has given him the chance to say, I love you three times. He's underlining the fact that Peter is a forgiven person. All his failure has been wiped clean. And it was a massive failure. It was a terrible failure. He's given the chance now to declare his love and is given work to do. This morning, boys and girls, young people, mums and dads, grannies and grandpas and all the rest of us, this is the great news of the resurrection. There is a new start. There is an opportunity to have our biggest failures, the things that we are most ashamed of that we would never tell anybody else, forgiven. Jesus offers us the opportunity to say this morning, Jesus, I love you. Offers us the opportunity to receive his forgiveness and his hope have a new start and you know this would be the greatest Easter in your life if that was to be your experience this morning if you actually acted on that because you haven't before and if you were to say yes to Jesus Jesus I love you Jesus I receive what you have won for me may that be true in some life this morning may God bless his message to each one of our hearts.